Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, as many of you may be aware, the Edinburgh Fringe is currently taking place with comedians from all over the world coming together in the Scottish capital. One uh, veteran stand-up, Simon Fanshawe, last performed there 30 years ago. But now he returns at a new show running from August the 19th to the 23rd. Simon has been writing this in the Times about how political correctness has morphed into a type of wokeness which isn't helping anybody. Good afternoon, Simon. How are you today? Hello, Tom. Hi, I'm fine. I was just thinking about octopuses. Yes. The thing is they've got... They've got eight tentacles, so kind of. I suppose you wonder whether four of them are right and four of them are left. Yeah, I didn't want to say works? that. I, I didn't want to expose my lack mm. of knowledge of the octopus world. I thought maybe everyone knows they have two kind of dominant yolks and then six. Oh, have they? I don't know. I don't know. I just. Oh. I, they sound. Well, I've got so... friends who won't eat octopuses because they say, you know, they're really clever, and I say yes, but by the time you eat them, they're dead. I think if cleverness was the rule by which you didn't eat things, yeah, um, exactly. you know, come on, there could be some very bright lambs out there for all we know. <laughs> so I won't have that. But listen, it seems like an incredible trip that you were on, uh, Simon, to be to be going back to stand up after thirty, or well, going back to Edinburgh after thirty years. But it's going back to stand up too. Although sort of stand up, when I when I did it last, you know, I did three and a half weeks at ten thirty at night, and now it's uh, five shows at two thirty in the afternoon, Tom. So everyone can get home for a nap. Um, we've all got older and wiser, haven't we? Really. So um, I'm enjoying that, and I just sort of, I just, thought, I wrote this book called The Power of Difference, and I started to think. Years ago, I did a law degree, and years ago, my mum said to me, she's long dead now, but she said to me, well, darling, you'll always be able to use your law degree. And I said to her, no, I won't, because it'll <laughs> run out in six years. But I tell you what, I'll always be able to use my stand-up. And it occurred to me the other day, I was thinking, well, I wrote the book, I've got stuff to say. I can always use my stand-up to get out and say it. So that's what I'm doing. Right. Terrifying. Um, so you're, but you're sitting, I can imagine, because I think, ter- think stand-up at, <laughs> at the best of times is, is terrifying. So, um, but you're also getting to see this world and how it's changed over 30 years. Well, somebody asked me, uh, yeah, they said, what's the difference between writing comedy now and writing comedy then? And I was thinking, you know, when we started what came to be known as alternative comedy and all that, the deal was that you were supposed to not write jokes that painted other people in a bad light. So the idea was that you wouldn't write jokes that would racist or sexist or whatever. And we had that slightly overblown idea that comedy was fighting racism and sexism. And you remember the old hoary joke that if the cabaret in Berlin in the 30s had been just a little bit better... Uh, <laughs> uh, that would have stopped Hitler in his tracks. But it, the thing that's happened now, I think, is that people, instead of writing jokes that don't paint other people in a bad light, they're writing jokes that only paint them in a good light. And that's this sort of change from PC to wokeness, I think. It's the, the problem with wokeness is it's all about you being aware of the issues. It's, all, it's, all, it's me, me, me. It's all, you know, people are just, they've turned fighting racism, for instance, has been turned into a conversation now about white privilege. How did that happen? This is a conversation about not, you know, black people and people of colour not experiencing prejudice. And this has now turned out into the thing of white people saying, I mean, honestly. It doesn't sound, it doesn't sound that funny, which um, I think would be a, a good measure uh, in the world of comedy, you know, just. Um, well, but, but that thing you said, just when, when you were coming through the first time, in the world of comedy, there, there was that existing world uh, which was very much associated with working men's uh, working men clubs, particularly in the yeah. north of England and stuff. Which was the mother-in-law jokes and and casual racism and 
really an, an awful form of comedy. And, and a lot of the new comedy was seen as brushing that away and challenging things and, and being much more inclusive of everyone. Yeah, and what it was about was it was about finding what other people thought was funny and how you interacted with that. It was all about difference, you know? Whereas the, what you have now is a form of censorship, I think, by audiences that instead of just saying, I'm offended, I'm leaving, I don't like it, heckling back or whatever, what now happens is that people, you know, people try to stop things happening. The idea that somehow disagreement is now seen as enmity, you know? And and it, it, it's just what, there is lots of fun to be had in this, but my show is a kind of, it's a TED Talk with comedy or it's a comedy like TED Talk, you know? It'll be fun. I wish there was a wish there was a category in the fringe called wit rather than comedy. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it is. I mean, the middle classes have, and it is the middle classes. Have, I mean, they must have time in their hands. It reminds me of the Taliban. You know, the Taliban once banned brown paper bags, something to do with the glue. I don't know what. But you think there's a regime with time on its hands? And I feel the middle classes have just got time on their hands. You know. Right. Uh, what what a changing world. One of the great things about comedy uh, was always that it could challenge little things that, that it might have built up in your mind and you might be afraid uh, to mention it and you'd feel uncomfortable around it. And then suddenly a comedian would, would just weigh in there and say something that maybe lots of people thought but were afraid to say. And it would just let the air out of the balloon and lighten everything. And, and suddenly it was it was something that was you were able to talk about things. A lot of wokeness is a list of things you actually can't talk about. Well, the whole the whole point, I think, is to, is to you know, that people say, well, you know, words are literal violence. And you think, no, actually, words are literally not violence. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if, if words were acts then, you know, and you actually had an orgasm every time you said the F word, you'd never leave the house. You know? Uh, yeah. I'd go at words or actual words. <laughs> words just... are words and violence yeah. is violence. And, and you can see it recently, tragically, you know. If words are violence, then, then, then writing the book apparently justifies somebody being stabbed. Yes. You know, but words aren't violence. Words are words. That's the point. And and what's really interesting, I think, is that uh, uh, there's this idea of total agreement. You've got to have total agreement now with everything. And if you think of any relationship, I don't know whether you're in a relationship, Tom, or not, yep. but you, you can't have total agreement. No, you. you simply cannot. Make <laughs> you certainly it. can't. He said you too can't. enthusiastically. Well, you know, don't you wake up sometimes in the morning and look at your partner and think, I have no idea who you are. And other times you wake up in the morning and you think, I know exactly who you are. You cannot see the world through somebody else's point of view. And so, you know, I'm exploring that really. I'm taking the fun out of all that. But it's deadly serious as well. Total agreement is the end. Azza, do you know this phrase? People, I call it the Azza. We're living through the Azza generation now. When people begin a sentence that says, you know, as a gay man. Be really careful about that, because what they're trying to do is justify what they think or what they or how they behave on the basis of who they are. That is death, you know, as a gay man. It basically means you heterosexuals can't criticise anything I do or say. Right. You know, I'm like I'm like Magneto, a force field around me. You know. You'd have to wonder how that is affecting uh, younger people, because they're growing up mm. where this fear is is very very real. Like we we've we've children and. Like the N-word, obviously, has been off the agenda for a very long time. Um, but we're not even allowed to quote that word. We're not allowed to say it in relation to famously there were people who had dogs, you know. That it's just, and it's on a list of things that are in their world not allowed to even be discussed. 
I went to see the um, To Kill a Mockingbird the other day. You remember the Harper yeah. Lee novel about Atticus Finch, the white lawyer who defends the black defendant in, in Alabama in the 30s. Is it Alabama? I think it is. And um, the N-word is, is liberally used throughout the production because this is a historical moment in time. And, and you, it would be mad not to say it. But, of course, I'm not going to say it now. No. So that, what does that tell us? So I'm sitting next door to four professional, I guess, black women in their 30s, something like that. And I turned to the woman next door to me and I said to her, can, you, can I ask you a question? I said, I'm a gay man and I absolutely just hate the word queer. I don't think it's reclaimable at all. I think it's the gay N-word. I said, but what do you feel about watching this play? And she said, it's a historical play. I'm absolutely fine with that, she said. I wouldn't use it, she said, because I don't think it's reclaimable because my heritage is African. I have nothing to do with slaves. She said, but I understand how people who did have something to do with slaves, they might well want to reclaim it. So in other words, we had a perfectly sensible discussion sitting Gosh. in a theatre. And the whole point about theatre, the whole point about comedy, is these are places that are safe for disagreement, not from it. Right. Now, that leads beautifully to Jerry Sadovich over the weekend. Um, his Edinburgh show, his fringe show, is cancelled by the venue after complaints from staff and audience members after just one night. Um he, you know, they said that he, you, you know what you're getting into when you go to one of his shows. He's quite a controversial person. Um, it was called uh, Not For Anyone, the name of the show. Um, what do you think of this, this, this message that, you know, shows get cancelled? Well, I think it's quite bizarre. I mean, I don't know who we're responding to. The audience goes, few audience members are upset. They leave. Fine. I'm sorry about that. They went to the wrong show. They didn't like it. The point of The Fringe is about the freedom of expression. And the thing about Sadovitz is that he is, he's brilliantly clear. He's a fool. He's a jester. He's the, he's the king's fool. He, he only has to see you getting offended that he'll probe further. Somebody told me a brilliant joke he did um, some years back where he said to the audience, right, the thing is, you won't know when to laugh with me. So here's the thing. I've got a table at the back and I've got hats on it. And every time I put a hat on, then I'm playing a character and when i'm playing a character that's not me speaking that's the that's the character speaking so then you can laugh so the audience was like oh my god what's going on here and they were like whoa this is all very confusing he went to the back picked up a hat turned around it was an ss officer's hat <laughs> and he looked at the audience and he goes what are we going to do about the jews now that is an incredibly brilliant joke. <laughs> I mean, it's breathtakingly brilliant. It's totally offensive. It, you know, but the point is, it's all about context. Yes. And the point about the thing that I'm finding really difficult at the moment is, is th this idea that words are literal violence and that everything is to be taken literally. Right. Everything so, isn't to be taken literally. No, under any stretch. Um, so for your show... <laughs> Did you find it very difficult to write? I mean, because it seems like y you immediately, uh, you know, approach this with a list of do's and don'ts. Well, I, it, what I'm trying to do is follow an argument. I believe, it, I wrote this book called The Power of Difference. The show's called The Power of Difference. It's called The Power of Difference because I profoundly believe in the power of difference. The whole point about being human is one of the few things we've got in common is that we're all different. And you can't see the world from another person's point of view. You can't walk in somebody else's shoes. But the human challenge is to try and do so in the certain knowledge that you never will. 
And so it's based on that idea, really. And I'm thinking, why did I end up thinking the power of difference is so important? And it's because I've endlessly realised that agreement is not the point. The point is to be able to get along together and hear each other. And there's tons of fun in that. I mean, the whole taking the Michael out of people who want total agreement. I mean, people are like this. I don't know how they go to the movies with each other. How do they decide what to go and see? I don't know. I'm just thinking that my family and we we agree on about ten percent of things. I, I would imagine, yeah. but we I think we get on quite well. So you know, you yeah. know, one of the conversations that I've this is a very Irish story, but I have moderated in public for the first time, and I've done it twice since. But in the twentieth anniversary of the Brighton bomb, I moderated the conversation between Joe. You're breaking off, uh, sadly, Simon. You're still there. Yes, I'm still here. Can yeah, you hear sorry, me? Yeah, carry haven't, on. haven't moved. Okay. So I moderated the conversation between Joe Berry, whose father was killed in the Brighton bomb, and Patrick McGee, who killed him. And they have a conversation in public, and I've done it three times now. And what's fascinating is that Patrick McGee never apologizes. He never says sorry. And actually, that's good. If he said sorry, he's like, oh, sorry. Well, why did you do it then? What he does is he says it was a military campaign. Violence was our only option. And Joe says that is the most difficult thing she ever has to hear. But what he says is the thing that's most difficult for him is he looks at Joe in the eye and he has to say, no matter my justifications, no matter what I thought was the right thing to do, I look at Joe and I have to accept that I have caused her unimaginable pain. And the man who died must have been a great man because he's produced a great daughter. Now, that's an extraordinary dialogue. You can't agree about a murder. No. My (laughs) word. But you can hear. But you can hear. Yeah. Um, God, your show sounds like it's going to be great, Simon. Hopefully you might get to um, come to this side of the water with it as well. I'd love to. Ask me over. (laughs) Please come. Um, Simon, thank you very much indeed. Simon Fancher, the writer, broadcaster and comedian. That's just should you be lucky enough to be heading over to uh, the Fringe Festival the 19th to the 23rd in uh, Edinburgh. Does your dog resemble you? Do you resemble your dog? Find out more after this. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.